Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. And be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Galatians by looking at Galatians chapter 4, verse 21, through Galatians chapter 5, verse 12. If you have a Bible, follow along while I read. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For It is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of a free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You were severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and The one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. In this section of scripture, we can see that Paul is still teaching the churches of Galatia that the false teachers that have come into their midst are enslaving them by getting them to agree to be bound by things that have nothing to do with whether or not they're a Christian. Specifically, he's talking to them about circumcision. And these false teachers have gone so far as to say that Paul was teaching circumcision uh, and that it was important for them to all be circumcised as well. 
But it's obvious from the text that this has angered Paul. And Paul says that he wishes people who were circumcising themselves would go ahead and and cut off everything. But as Paul makes this point, he tries to set up an allegory from a story in the Old Testament that, that helps his readers understand the point that he's trying to make. Here, Paul goes to uh, the story of Abraham in the Old Testament. Abraham had a wife, Sarah, who was promised that she would bear a child. After about 10 years of waiting, Abraham and Sarah decided maybe they were supposed to do something, to take the initiative to, to bring this about. And they decided that Sarah would give her maidservant, Hagar, to Abraham as a wife. She would bear a child and That's how they would have descendants. Hagar does have a child. The child's name is Ishmael. But this is a child of a slave that was brought about because of decisions that Abraham and Sarah had made. It wasn't the promise that God had made. So while Abraham had a child, Ishmael, that would receive an inheritance, it was not the child that had been promised by God that would make Abraham the father of many nations. That child would come through Sarah, his wife, who was free. Paul says that Hagar, in his allegory, represents the present Jerusalem, a Jerusalem that is enslaved by the current Jewish leadership and the burdens that they place on people and the blindness that they have that Jesus came to set them free. He says Sarah represents a new Jerusalem, a heavenly one. And he goes on to contrast the difference between the two. The present Jerusalem have children that are enslaved. They were born after the flesh. And these children persecute the free children. Ultimately, they are sent away and cannot share in the inheritance. By contrast, Sarah and the new Jerusalem are representing free children, born of a promise, heirs to a promise. They're persecuted by the slave children because the slave children don't understand that circumstances have changed. But it is the members of this new Jerusalem, these free children, who are the only ones who can claim the inheritance. Paul says in this reading that it was for freedom that you have been set free. He's talking about being born into this new Jerusalem, into this state of freedom. Being born again is a way that Scripture often refers to people who become followers of Christ. We were born free to be free. But if we were born into freedom so that we could be free, why do we allow ourselves to be enslaved? And what are the things that enslave us? Well, Paul has been talking about this for several chapters now. And in chapter 1, he talked about the fact that they had been enslaved to a false gospel. Because they were listening to something other than what Jesus said, they had been trapped. They were enslaved. When he gets to chapter 2, he talks about the way that they try to justify themselves. They take their own actions and try to convince God that they've done what needs to be done, that God should be pleased with them, rather than letting Jesus justify them. Then in chapter 3, he talks about the fact that they are enslaved because They're trying to find fulfillment in the promise on their own terms rather than submitting to God's will. And then through the first part of chapter four, he mentions this idea of pleasing people. When we are 
preoccupied with pleasing people rather than God, it traps us in a way of doing things. It traps us in a mindset that keeps us enslaved rather than letting us be free to pursue God. We know from other places in Scripture that new birth yields new creation. When we are born again, we are a new creation in Christ. We're not intended to be enslaved by these things that he mentioned. We're intended to be free from them so that we can pursue all that God wants us to do for his purposes. And being enslaved to any of the things that we just mentioned keep us from being able to genuinely do the things that God wants us to. It doesn't mean that God can't work in spite of us, but things go better, go more smoothly. We're more effective when we do it God's way, when we break from the chains that bind us and take advantage of the freedom that he gives us to do his will. If we don't accept our role in this new creation, Paul lets us know that the Messiah offers us no advantage. There is no advantage from the Messiah for those who want to remain slaves or for those who are determined to try to free themselves. If you're not going to let the Messiah do the Messiah's work, he's really no good to you. Paul also lets these folks know that if they continue to try to free themselves, if they try to go about things on their terms and expect God to be okay with it, they are actually separating themselves from the Messiah, that they are separating themselves from the grace offered by the Messiah. Paul says very plainly in chapter 5, verse 4, you were severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. It's very important that if we want to experience the salvation offered by the Messiah, the freedom offered by the Messiah, that we let him do his work and not go about doing things on our own terms and expecting him to bless it. In this reading, Paul asked several rhetorical questions to his readers. Right now, I think it may be appropriate for me to ask one to you. Maybe not even rhetorical, maybe one that you need to come up with an answer for, for your own peace of mind. If God is expecting us to be free and to pursue his purposes, rather to be enslaved to the way the world thinks things should be done. We have to ask ourselves, do we really want to be the person that God made us to be? And do we want to trust him to transform us through his teaching, through his guiding, through his direction into people that accomplish his purposes? Or do we keep wanting to be people who pursue our own purposes? Paul is talking to a group of people who have gone back into slavery and are proud of the way that they're conducting themselves in slavery. Paul wants us to know it is not important how well you cope with being in slavery that matters. It's whether or not you're willing to let Christ set you free. He tells us the things that we need to do to take the shackles off, to walk out free, to walk in freedom. Are we going to keep going back and doing what we want and stay bound and, and be a good slave, not rock the boat, not cause any problems, be a decent person, but still enslaved, or are we going to let Jesus set us free and accomplish all the things that he has in store for us? Because like Paul says in this writing, the only thing that matters is our faith working itself out in love.
We hear a lot of people talk about having faith, and unfortunately for too many, faith just means something that I think. If I have good positive thoughts about Jesus and God, that's faith. But here, Paul describes a faith that is active, and it's active in love. Do we trust Jesus enough to do the things that he says? That's what faith is. Do I trust Jesus enough to love others, to put their needs ahead of my own, to pursue what God wants rather than what I want? That is when our faith is working itself out in love, when I love God and when I love others so much that I do the things that God would want for them, not because I'm bound to keep a legal code, but because I care about the things that God cares about because I trust that his way is the best way. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.